Lesson number five, we call this the devil's open door. We want to look at, with this lesson, how demons get into people's lives. And we have about four pages, so let's just jump into this real quick and move along and expound where we need to. When studying demonology, it must be kept in mind that the devil's ultimate goal in a person's life is bondage. Anytime you start to feel yourself be bound or oppressed, that's the work of the enemy. We, I understand we have good days and we have bad days. We have days where we just feel like we're in the blahs. You got to shake that off. Because if you don't shake that off, it becomes oppression, and oppression leads to depression, and depression leads to all sorts of weird stuff. So you got to shake this thing off, even when it's just an emotional bad day. You got to get to a place where even when junk falls apart, you don't have a bad day. Stuff, you know, in the natural, it'll be a bad day, but in your soul, it doesn't ever have to be a bad day. Some folks, everything can be perfect in the natural, and they still have bad days. Uh, We treat everything the same. It doesn't matter whether it's a demon or it's just coincidence. We speak the word to it and we move on. But uh, you have noticed this. I've noticed this. Some folks like the attention that having a bad day brings to them. That is selfish. You can help a lot more people when you're always having good days full of joy, full of peace, full of hope. Folks will be drawn to you when you've always got the victory. When you're always up and down like a roller coaster, nobody wants to sit next to you because you might throw up on them. So, amen. The devil's activities work toward one common purpose in every human's life, to enslave and bind. When we give the devil an open door into our life, he will move in only to bind us. This is contrasted to the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's work in our life brings us liberty. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Every one of us has been moved upon by a familiar spirit or a demon spirit. Every one of us has experienced oppression, depression, discouragement. Every one of us has experienced a heaviness. Every one of us has experienced a season where we couldn't open our mouth to praise God. That's all the work of the enemy. Now, thank God we live to tell about it and live to fight another day. And I guarantee you this, there'll be another day where you get to fight this thing and shake it off and resist it. And so just don't be surprised when it rests upon you. You just have to learn to recognize it. Just like you recognize perfume smells, you recognize cooking smells, you, you recognize different flavors and aromas, you'll recognize when a devil is hitting you with fiery darts and shooting things at you, and you'll just say, oh, I recognize this. This is the enemy. And you shake it off and go on. But when you keep your mouth silent, like the Bible says, the wicked remain silent in darkness. You can never get to a place as a Christian where you stop speaking the word, you stop praising, you stop giving thanks. When that happens, the devil has got you. The Bible says we hold the shield of faith whereby we quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The shield of faith is us speaking the word. The Bible says we can have what we say. The Bible says the spirit of faith speaks. So the way we quench these fiery darts is by speaking the word of God, and it produces a shield according to what Paul wrote in Ephesians 6. So let's look at this. The devil is ever watchful looking for a door into our lives. You have to know that they're familiar spirits because they're assigned to us and they are familiar with us. They, they're almost like a satellite that just constantly orbits our life looking for another way in, a, a new temptation, a new kind of thing. We're always fighting to get the victory over stuff and when we get the victory over something, there'll always be something else to fight. It's a never-ending battle till we take our last breath. Like one woman asked Brother Hagen years ago, Brother Hagen, would you pray for me that I'd never have any more problems with the devil? He said, sure, we'll just pray that you go to heaven right now. Well, no, 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 I don't want to die. He said, ma'am, that's the only way you'll never have any more problems from the devil is if you go to heaven. But if you want to stick it out on planet Earth for the next 50 years, you got to be prepared for a little bit of wrestling.
We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. And so if you know what you're doing, wrestling can be kind of fun. Of course, that's Middle Tennessee for wrestling. Wrestling is an Olympic sport. Wrestling is a scripted television event. <laughs> the devil is ever watchful looking for a door into our lives. First Peter 5, 8, 9. Be sober and watchful. Be vigilant, staying awake. Because your adversary, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour and gulp down entirely. Whom you resist steadfast as a phalanx in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, a phalanx is a military, it's an ancient Greek way of uh, doing soldier battle on the field. They would actually form almost like a spear out of men. So you have a front man, then you have a man behind him, almost like in a, in a triangle, and you could not penetrate that thing. They would charge forward with that, and they'd hold their shields up with spears. That's a phalanx, and that's how we're to resist steadfast. We keep moving forward on the defense, but also on the offense at the same time. It's kind of a unique military term, and when you understand what a phalanx is, you really get this really neat picture. That's how we defeat the enemy. We have our shield up. We never drop our guard, and yet we don't back down. We're always moving forward. That's how we're to resist him steadfast in the faith. But also look at this last part of this verse. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. This right here guarantees you, you will always deal with the enemy. These afflictions are accomplished in your brethren, which are in the world. So no matter where you go in the world, you're going to deal with the enemy. You're going to deal with demons. Now, we don't magnify them. We don't glorify them. And we're not looking for them. We're not so super spooky. If the lights flicker, it's a demon. But this thing is being, it's everywhere. And we know that even in these last days, it's going to get more intense. And if you can't handle 2013, well, 2014 is around the corner and you won't be able to handle that either. So today is the day we learn to deal with this stuff. Look at Job 2, 3. And the Lord said unto Satan, from whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. That's exactly what it said in 1 Peter there, that the devil walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's always walking about. He has nothing else to do. He doesn't go to work. He doesn't have a retirement. He doesn't take vacations. His job and his army of, of demon spirits, their job is to buffet us, harass us, and work to bind us. So you see in Job, he was walking to and fro, looking for someone. And the Lord says, have you noticed Job? And then we see in First Peter, he's still doing the same thing, walking up and down, seeking whom he may devour. Pastor Vaughn used to always say, he may not. Some folks he may, but for me, he may not devour me. And we have also let you know that we're not of the mindset that the devil does not have teeth. He does, we don't, we're not of that mindset. We, I believe he has teeth. I believe he has claws because I've seen him do damage to the body. A big old 90-year-old gummy paw lion doesn't do damage to anything. And if that's our enemy, then boy, the church is really, really weak that we're being whipped by a gummy teddy lion. But I believe our enemy does have teeth. I, I, I've got scars to show it. I believe he does have paws and claws, and I've got scars to show it, and so do you. So we don't take this mindset, well, he's been defeated. He has been defeated. But the Bible tells of Jesus, sit here until I make your enemies your footstool. That hasn't happened yet. The Lord is still sitting because the enemies are not his footstool yet. So though we have victory over the enemy, the enemy is still weaponized. He still has all of his tools and utensils, and it is effective against us. You guys all recognize that. 
because we have to do battle. We have to resist. We have to speak the word. If he's as defeated as some folks have claimed or presented him, we would have no opposition. But we all know we are constantly dealing with opposition. All right? I know that's a little bit of undoing of the last 20 years of charismatic doctrine, but I think it's reality. We can teach all he's got to roar. I've seen him swipe some people down. I've seen him bite into some people's necks and carrying them into the world and even send them to hell. So we're not ignorant like that. Satan is the enemy of our entire existence. The Bible teaches us he is ever on the move looking for entrance into our lives. This lesson will look at the major ways in which we might open the door to the devil in our lives. 1 Corinthians 10, 19, and 20 in the NIV says, Paul speaking, he says, Do I mean then that food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No. He's saying food is nothing. It's neither here nor there. And the idol is neither here nor there. Your idols are made out of stone. We were in South Africa. The idols were made out of concrete. They were it's just the, the idols at the Hindu temple looked just like something you'd buy at the side of a fairground with lawn jockey or with a little, you know, little kid in the fountain. That's what they were made out of, just cast concrete painted. The idol's nothing, or it's a, it's a stick, or it's a rock, or it's a tree, or it's something somebody carved out of wood. The idol's nothing. But Paul goes on to say this, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons. So what we see there is it's the heart behind the sacrifice, which is food, and it's the heart behind what it's presented to, which makes it a demon. He says, what the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants, partners, comrades, companions, or fellowshippers with demons. To sit there, uh, it still burns in my mind when we were at that Hindu temple in South Africa. I looked at this little Indian idol and someone had presented an offering to it. And the Indian idol, I, I struck. I said, that's, that's concrete. They made a mold and they cast it and they painted it. And then at the little altar for this, this Indian elephant was a little plate that had rice on it, it had beans on it, it had a banana leaf on it that the stuff was on, and it had plantains on it. And that was the, that was the offering. And I said, that looks like a good, healthy meal. But the Hindu came, and in his heart, he said, I am worshiping the demon with it, which made every bit of that demonic. You know, you could take that concrete thing and make a boat anchor out of it if you wanted to, and it becomes a useful boat anchor, and you could take that food and feed the hungry with it. But what they did in their heart, they did it as unto devils, and therefore what Paul said is they were fellowshipping with demon spirits. The more critical part of this verse is the fact that Paul said, I don't want you to do this, which indicates you can. That's what we see in this. I don't want you to be fellowshipping with demons, which means you can. I don't want you to be partakers of demons, which means you can. I don't want you to be comrades with demons, which means you can. I don't want you to be participators or partners with demons, which means we as Christians can. There's often the debate, can Christians have demons? Absolutely. Christians can have anything they want, and that includes demons. It depends on what you yield to. And not to freak you out, but in pastoring for six years, I, we've had probably hundreds of prayer lines, and I have cast demons out of many of our own church members. Now, they didn't growl necessarily, and I learned real early in my pastorate how to deal with demons and not make a big deal out of it. I learned how I could just stand in front of them, and I would know by the word of knowledge they have a demon, and I could just stand there, and by the anointing of God, it would go and leave them. And then my mind thinks, what did they do to get that thing? Well, thank God it's gone now. 
But we also have seen a little bit of growling and a little bit of screeching in times past in our own church members. So you can go and say what you want because there is that argument. Well, Christian can't have a demon. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Didn't say the demon was in your spirit, but it could very much be riding your soul. It could very much be attached to your body. We've all felt the oppression of our mind. It's just a demon. It just resisted. All right. According to this verse, it is very possible for Christians to be partners, comrades, participators, participants, and fellowship with demons. We don't want to do that. So let's move on now to these entrance, these doorways to the demonic realm. Uh, I call this section the big three. It seems as though there's no quicker way to open the door to Satan than by participating in what can be called the big three. Illicit sex, illicit drugs, and demon worship. Of these three, demon worship is the quickest path to full demon possession. These three right here, in my studies, in my experience, there is probably, there can be no single quicker way to get a demon than to participate in these. These three things open you up to the demon realm faster than anything. And like I said, I looked this morning, I don't think anybody here is in danger of any of this tonight or this morning. Maybe you did at one time in the past, but thank God we've been delivered from it. But we're going to start with demon worship first. And this is pretty self-explanatory. Worship is good, but it belongs only to God Almighty. The devil seeks to hijack man's worship. Demon worship has many forms varying from the occult to pagan religions to just pure old Satanism. Satan's lust for man's attention and these various avenues grant him the selfish attention he, gra- he craves. So Satan wants worship. He wants it so desperately, he'll take it any way he can get it, whether it's through a pagan religion, whether it's just through pure Satanism, whether it's through the occult. Many Christians dabble in the occult and they don't even realize it's demonic. Uh, And probably some of you have dabbled in the occult. We'll expose some of the stuff here. I've dabbled in the occult, knowing it was the occult when I was in college is being stupid. And you got to be very, very, very careful. This kind of, these kinds of worship and supernaturalism only produce bondage. So our first thing we're going to look at is the occult. The definition of the occult is the belief and study and the supernatural, mystical, magical, or other paranormal activities and phenomena. You start fooling with the haunted houses, that's the occult. Anything supernatural outside the church is the occult. Anything supernatural outside of the church is in the Bible and the Holy Spirit, that falls into the, instantly it's under the realm of the occult. If you don't have Bible for it, You just walk away. You got to be very careful. So the occult includes Ouija boards. We're all familiar with Ouija boards. I've dabbled with Ouija boards. Couldn't ever get it to work for me. But the guy I was fooling with, the next night he got it to work for him. And then he saw some really creepy stuff. And uh, that was when I was backslidden. Tarot cards. It's a French word often mispronounced as tarot. Properly pronounced tarot cards. This is all that stuff you see in the French Quarter and, you know, they do, they flip the cards and they're supposed to tell your fortune by the roll of the dice. They do the same thing with chicken bones. The, uh, the Turks and the Greeks do the same thing with coffee grounds and the bottom of their high octane coffee. It's all demonic. It's looking for an answer apart from Jesus Christ. Much like people go to the in-house prophet after service, you're done with service And you look in the bottom and see what the prophet has to say to you. Yeah, it's dumb. But it's the occult. Psychics, Madame Cleo, 
You don't need to be calling Madam Cleo. Most uh, prophets on television have become nothing but Christian television psychics. They sell their prophecies. For $19.95, you get a special prophecy. For $59.95, you get a personalized, super-duper awesome prophecy. Uh, astrology and horoscopes, uh, using the stars to predict stuff. Astrology is demonic, so are horoscopes. They're so general anyway. Hypnotism, demonic. Do not ever give yourself over to hypnotism, not even for, quote, therapeutic or psychological therapy. It is of the devil. I've been in a big audience full of hypnotism, and I've seen mass hypnotism, and I saw a girl who couldn't come out of it, and that was creepy. And the thing, I believe fully in hypnotism. I believe it's a demon, though. And I've seen, I've seen 20, 30 people hypnotized at once. I was, in the, I was there. And had them doing the most ridiculous thing that they would no way ever do. And even one of my buddies snuck in on it to, and was acting like he was hypnotized just to make a fool of the hypnotist. And when they called him out, the hypnotist went over and put him under just like that. And, and I, I, was, I said, Woo, this is creepy. This, and I didn't even know the things I know now. But it's still bur- it, that, that thing is burned in my mind as far as demon power. Seances. This is where you purposely have a little worship service to communicate with the dead. And you burn candles and you get some local witch or some local sorcerer or warlock to come in. Demonic. I witnessed to a guy one time at a college. And uh, he was terrified because he was at a seance at an old abandoned house. And the guy, they were doing this little seance thing. And uh, he said the, the guy leading the seance freaked out because in walked the new guy who had just moved to town and everybody had heard he was a warlock. And when he walked in, the guy running our seance was upset. He said, don't break our circle. Don't break our circle. And that dude broke our circle and started doing all sorts of weird stuff. And then he, he fell down. He said, and I was holding his hand and I couldn't hold him up anymore. So I let him go and he just levitated. And he said, and when we all stepped back, he, his head was levitating over this nail sticking up out of the board. He said, if, he, if he'd have fully fallen, it punctured his skull. He said, that's when I realized I shouldn't play with the occult. And I said, well, are you a Christian? Yep. Where do you go to church? The Baptist church. I said, you, sir, are an idiot. You are demonic. Seances, necromancy. That means talking to the dead. Christians do it all the time at the gravesite. You are stupid. There's no polite way to put that. The Bible strictly forbids communication with the dead. And I know we, we try to pass it off as just good old Southern Christian Americans. Well, I was just saying goodbye to my grandpa. Well, what if something talks back? I understand that the casket, I love you, honey. I'll see you in heaven. I get that. Fine. But then you start making regular visitations to the gravesite. And you're wanting so desperately, I miss him, I miss him. There's a time to weep, and then, honey, there's a time to move on. Let the dead bury their dead. There's a time to rejoice, there's a time to dance, there's a time to be full of joy. You get over it. Some Christians never get over the death of their loved ones, and in their heart, they are necromancers. Some Christians never get over the death of the loved one, and in their heart, they are necromancers, still trying to communicate with the dead. It's forbidden. Psychography. This is, a, this is a thing they really developed in the 60s, but I'm sure it's as old as demons. This is where you close your eyes and you allow a force to move your hand. Psychography. The, uh, the Christian worship team, uh, Jesus Culture, they're out of a church called Bethel Church in Redding, Redmond, California. That church practices psychography. Except it's the Holy Spirit is what they say. 
And they, they've had several, well, I don't know how many, but they've had an instance where uh, somebody was blindfolded and the Holy Spirit moved his hand to write in Arabic. And he wrote the word God in Arabic. It's demonic. Psychography. Then you have jewelry and trinkets. You have to be careful of the jewelry you wear. Witches and, and folks involved in the occult, they really, they do this thing with jewelry. You can often spot a witch just by the amount of jewelry she's wearing. We've all seen people that have rings on every finger. And we all strike that as, that's a little weird. There was a time where we I was at Mama Rosa's and uh, I looked up and I said, I need a witness to those people. And then I said, she's a witch. And then I said, and I know so because of her jewelry. And so I walked over to him and I started witnessing to him. And I said, are you a Christian? And she said, no, actually, I'm Wiccan. And I said, <laughs> I'm right again. <laughs> and of course, she was decked out jewelry on every finger, trinkets around her neck. You know, there's a lot of weird stuff that goes with jewelry. Now, like Paul said, the idol's nothing. It's just concrete. It's just sterling silver. It's just gold. But when your heart starts putting it on amulets and talismans, you got to be very careful of that stuff, especially in your home. Get rid of it. Uh, you know, you can you can attach meaning to a trinket that it shouldn't have, and you can bring a demon to that trinket because your heart puts some weird thing on it. The, the, the demon realm answers your heart. That's what Paul said. What they sacrifice, they sacrifice unto devils. That's why the Ouija board never worked for me because my heart wasn't in it. That's why God doesn't work for some Christians. Their heart just isn't in it. But we've all, just go to county fairs, go to some of these hippie festivals. You see witches. You see they distinguish themselves by all the jewelry and the trinkets they wear. And they're always hawking it. Masons are really good about this. They have the Masonic ring. And that's so important to them. So you have to be careful of the jewelry even you have. I got a couple stories on that, but we don't have time. Then they have fetishes, totems, and idols. A fetish is just like a little totem. It's like a little idol. Idols, totems like the Native American totem pole. Uh, I've seen totems in Africa that were walking sticks. These are things carved, and the whole purpose behind everything is to worship, to conjure evil spirits. A lot of Americans have this stuff in their home, even the little Buddhas. The 60s and 70s really saw the American household just flooded with this junk. Buddhas were popular in the 70s on your little mantle. Um, voodoo masks and all that junk. It's all of the devil. This is all the occult, and you have to be very mindful of it. This stuff is what Dr. Barclay would call demon bait. And if it's in your home, you're going to attract something to it just because it's his. He says, hey, that's mine. I inspired that. Can I come have a look-see? And now, now not everything is, is demonic or demon-possessed, but there are certainly instances out there where you can pick up something at a black market or maybe at a flea market, and you come home and you bring darkness home with you. And even though it's just carved out of silver or maybe out of balsa wood, something, something had their hand on that, and it brought home something wicked. Or in America, it's a rabbit's foot or a penny. It's my lucky penny. That's all a cult. You subscribe supernatural power to something natural? That's occultish. Pagan religions, other religions worship false deities and idols, also known as devils. These religions developed when demons appeared to their founders. To participate in their services is to expose oneself to doctrines of devils. Many of their worship styles have made their way to common America and even church culture. Brother Brett was just he was sharing with me one of their servants in their ministry, Fryo, I think a girl named Justine. She was very sick and couldn't shake it, so they laid hands on her, and she fell out and started making noises and started rolling like an alligator. 
And uh, we've seen that before. And so they got her, they slapped her, and they said, they cast the devil out of her. They said, what have you done? Have you been molested? Have you been uh, raped? Have you been violated? What, what, what have you done? Where have you been? Something got, this girl's spirit filled. She said, well, I did go with my friend to the Baai temple, Baha'i temple, which is a demon religion. The only Baha'i temple in Africa is in Kampala. She said, I did go and visit that. And she said, in the moment I walked in, I was very cold and I began to shiver uncontrollably. She just picked up a devil going someplace she shouldn't have been. The Baha'i temple. I had to cast the devil out of this girl. She rolled like an alligator. So let's look at some pagan religions. Islam. Yep. Buddhism. From Buddhism, we get acupuncture. Don't ever get into acupuncture. Come on. Transcendental meditation that has nothing to do with dentistry. I wish it did, though. Don't get into transcendental meditation. There is a biblical meditation, but it doesn't transcendent nothing. It's a meditation on the word of God. In fact, the Hebrew word to meditate means to speak and mutter and murmur. You're actually talking the word to yourself under your voice, under your breath. Thank you, Father. The word says that. Why does the word say that? Lord, why did Jonah do that? Why did Noah do that? Father, why did Paul say that? That's biblical meditation. But this hum, sitting in the lotus position, hum, that's demonism. You'll open yourself up to devils. When I did judo, my instructor was a self-professed Buddhist Christian. And uh, he had us meditate at the end of every class, which meant I just prayed in tongues and I bound devils. I bind you. You will not come into this dojo. I work out here. I don't worship you here. I just want to work out and break bones. You are not welcome here, devil. That's what I did every class. <laughs> Gave me 15 minutes of prayer time every end of every judo class. <laughs> Help my Christian walk. Transcendental meditation, blah. Some, you can really get goofy staying in your head. And meditation is always about the mind. Again, the wicked remain silent in darkness. You can get so deep inwardly, you never come out. Or you get so deep inwardly, your head comes out your other end and you turn yourself inside out and you're ruined. It's weird. We are created for expression, full of joy and happiness and light. That meditation turns you inward and dark. No, no, no. When we're in the presence of God, there's a time to be quiet in his presence, but that's because he's so powerful, you can't even move. But other than that, man, we stir up the spirit of God by what we say. We declare things. We confess things. We declare the counsel of God. Let the redeemed say so. So. Everything else is just like. Your soul becomes this black hole that nothing can escape. Hinduism, this is complete and total worship of demons. From this, we get yoga. And just so you know, every yoga position is a position of one of their gods. The downward dog, the sleeping cobra, whatever, the lotus position. These are all positions of their idols. And these are positions they take while they're trying to contact their gods. And so for, with yoga, you get what are called mantras. These are things you say over and over again. You're doing the downward dog and you're saying, I don't know, Ricky Tiki Tavi, Ricky Tiki Tavi. Well, what they don't tell you in these, you know, Baptist yoga classes or these Methodist yoga classes is that those mantras that they have you repeat, those are the names of some of their gods. So you're taking the position in your body of their gods, their idols, and you're calling on the names of their gods. So even if you're born again, spirit filled, what happens if the right demon happens to just be passing through the neighborhood and hears you calling on his name? 
Now, I'm not saying there's demons present in every yoga class, but in every yoga class, there's somebody present who's wanting to tap into that. I teach wholeheartedly across the board against yoga. We have a little video for Lydia called uh, uh, Movement, and it's got a yoga section. I gave it to the guys. I said, edit this video for me. I don't want my little girl doing the downward dog. This is of the devil. And so uh, from Hinduism, we get yoga. And you wouldn't believe how many churches have yoga classes and will actually fight to defend yoga. If you want to stretch, call it good old-fashioned 1950s calisthenics, but don't call it yoga. If you, you know, I understand some of those stretches, some of those stretches I did before I knew they were yoga stretches because they work certain muscles, but I ain't going hickey, mickey, 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 ricky, ticky, tavi. I'm going, man, I'm sore and fat. I need to work out more. So again, it comes back to the heart. And again, from Hinduism, we get meditation. The whole, the new age hippie movement has embraced all of this and rolled it all together so that new age and hippieism is full of this stuff. It's just pervasive. Mormonism, Gaia, earth worship, extreme environmentalism, Wicca, neo-paganism. Wicca is witches coven of America. That's kind of a neo-paganism, a new, a new flavor of witches and, and the, uh, I can't think of all the names of it, but basically your druid worship, your nature worship, your your, your witches, you know, you're, they call themselves pagan and proudly so. We are pagans. We worship the earth goddess. We worship the autumn festival goddess. We worship, it's all this stuff. It's everywhere nowadays. Then animism, that's just pure worship of inanimate objects like trees. And Native Americans <laughs> wrote the textbook on animism. There is nothing redeemable or redemptive in Native Americanism. Pure demon worship. They, they, they mutilate their bodies, especially when they were still in their own tribes and nations before uh, the American colonialism wiped them out or put them on uh, reservations. But they would do some of the most demonic things in the worship of their spirit guides. There was one festival out west where their rite of passage, they would worship this tree. This is very well recorded. And in part of worshiping the tree to make their, basically their equivalent of nirvana, they would take these wooden screws and screw them into their chest. The, the braves would, you know, the, the men. And those were tied to cords that were tied to the tree. And so this is one of their annual festivals. I can't remember what tribe it was. And for this festival, these men coming of age, they would dance toward the tree. I mean, the tree surrounded all these dudes screwed to the tree and they dance back. And of course they dance back. It pulls on these screws in their chest and they dance forward all in this demonic trance. And they would go back and forth, back and forth until it ripped out. And that's when they were their new birth. That's native Americanism. And we try to make it pretty like Pocahontas, Lone Ranger, those folks worshiped demons and they massacred and martyred their missionaries. Native Americans would skin missionaries alive, the Jesuit missionaries, skin them alive to gain their strength because they hated the God of the Christians. Eat those Jesuit missionaries alive and they would die martyrdom's death in the 14 to 1500s. And we try to make it all pretty with Pocahontas slippers and dream catchers and, you know, a lot of that artwork, you should get out of your house. There's just something creepy about Native American artwork. We're still glorifying a demonized, cursed nation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Satanism, pure Satanism or satanic worship is active and alive today. Their worship of Satan incorporates a satanic Bible that was only written in the 60s by Levant, I believe was his name. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. was an active Satanist, just 
just so you know, he converted to the Church of Satan in the 60s. And uh, Satanic Bible, and includes both human and animal sacrifices. I witnessed to a Satanic worshiper in uh, Poland, and they had just sacrificed a baby in their church a few weeks prior. A baby was born in the church, and they killed it on the altar to Satan. I just ran into a friend of mine last Sunday, and he said, Pastor, pray for my daughter. She just called me this week, and she has denounced Christianity. She said she's a Satanist. I said, what happened? He said, she just moved to California. I said, when? He said, this week. And I said, that was fast. He said, I told her, uh-uh, Christine, you were raised better than this. Nope, daddy. She said, I don't need the promise of an afterlife to do good. I said, man, I will pray. I said, let's pray right now. So we prayed right then and there in the buffet line for his daughter, Christine. I'm still praying for Christine. Goes out to California and denounces Jesus Christ to become a pure Satanist. And he, it, Mary, I think it's Marion Levant. He said, she's at, eat up in Marion Levant Satanism. You can check that on Google. But yeah, it's alive and well. Satanic Bible, and like I've taught you, the number one commandment is do as you will. Do what you want. Illicit drugs. Actually, let me finish this. All Satanism includes the use of illicit drugs and perverse sexuality. So what's interesting is Satanism includes the next two of our big three. Pure demon worship includes the next two, illicit drugs and illicit sex. So number two is illicit drugs. Medicine can be very good can be used to help treat sickness and cure disease. However, drugs can also be abused. Recreational drug use is demonic and dangerous. Again, found heavily in the counterculture of the hippie movement. All of this, we're talking about illicit sex, illicit drugs, that was all interwoven. Mysticism, oriental religion, all of that came to America in the late 50s, early 60s with the hippie movement. They called it the counterculture, and our nation has never recovered from it. It's a cancer still eating us. Addiction to drugs is demonic and dangerous. The words pharmacy and pharmaceutical have their origins in the Greek word pharmakia. All right, pharmakia is the use of administering drugs. This is the Greek definition. Poisoning, sorcery, or magical arts. The Greek word pharmakia means sorcery or magical arts. Often in connection with idolatry and only bolstered by idolatry. So sorcery that is enhanced by idolatry. That's the word pharmakia. Then pharmacus is one who prepares or uses magical remedies, also known as a sorcerer. From this, we get our word pharmacy and pharmaceutical. All right? The New Testament translates these words as sorcery and witchcraft. We use the words, these words pharmakia to describe the chemical side of modern medicine. The truth found here is that drugs not only affect your body, and they will, and they can help fix you, but they also affect your soul, and that's what makes it sorcery. I've been on many, many types of pharmaceutical drugs, all lawfully, all legally, and they opened me up to the spirit realm. I was having out-of-body experiences that I have also had by the Holy Spirit, and it was a pharmaceutical drug devised in a lab that did it to me. And that's why you have to be very, very careful. Even something as simple as Sudafed, I won't take anymore. I had to get my faith built up to whip flu or a sinus season because it would make me so loopy in my soul when I would preach that I was very cautious about stepping out in the spirit realm, loopy from Sudafed. Because my soul was just, it was like it was separated and pulled apart and I've got to step into the spirit realm to minister, to lay hands on people with my soul on a hairpin trigger to go somewhere weird, just to dry up... 
I said, well, forget this mess. I'm going to get my faith built up. If I have to live in Cookville, I'm going to have faith over flu season and, and allergy season and fall and spring because I can't be preaching under the effects of Sudafed. I'm not against Sudafed, but the, the caution here is the root word here is sorcery. Most of your major drugs, the major side effect is addiction. That's bondage. Even morphine, they put you on limited drips so you don't become addicted. Morphine, from morphine, we get heroin, all from opium and opiates. And the side effects are often worse than the relief provided. You just have to watch those commercials, and they spend 45 seconds of the one-minute commercial telling you everything it will do to you. And it isn't even worth the solution it promised. Unfortunately, addiction is a common side effect. Illicit drug use includes cocaine, marijuana. Wow, we're just lawfully passing laws for marijuana. Meth, prescription drugs, alcohol, tobacco, bath salts, molly, etc. There's all these new synthetic things out there. And most of them are derived from pharmaceutical drugs that were invented or developed to help people who are sick or soulishly mentally tormented. Drugs affect not only your body, but also your soul. Illicit drug users seem to be also open and active in illicit sex. So it opens us up to the third big one. Illicit means forbidden. Sex is good when kept in the confines of marriage. Illicit sex is forbidden for our good. Any sexual activity outside of holy matrimony is illicit sex. I don't care how they want to try to justify homosexuality. God will never recognize it as marriage. Therefore, any homosexual act is illicit sex and thereby fornication still cursed of God. I don't care how you want to try to solve it or rationalize it, even using scripture. God will never recognize it. Even if you say, I do, he says, you know, you don't. And it's still fornication and illicit sex. Fornication is sex outside of marriage. Sex is a powerful force. And the Bible describes sexual sin in a way no other sin is described. It describes it as sin against your own body. Very, it's the most unique sin in the whole Bible. For it's the one, it says, every sin man commits is without his body. But he that fornicates sins against his own body. I honestly don't even have the fullness of what that means, but apparently it's significant enough for Paul to say it. When you fornicate, you sin against your own body. Illicit sex includes fornication, adultery, pornography, homosexuality, bisexuality, bestiality, swinging and spouse swapping, which by the way, we apparently have an 8,000 member strong wife swapping swingers club in Cookville. I'm sure that pulls in from surrounding counties, but that's one-third, well, uh, uh, one-fourth of Cookville. Phone sex and sexting. One night stands. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. So let me move on to something that's going to hit us more personally because we don't worship the devil here. We're not into illicit drugs here. Every one of us has been on pharmaceutical drugs, and they'll tell you they'll flat mess with your head. I got a toe ache, but it cost me my mind. I got pancreatic hurt, but it cost me my mind. It just does the weirdest stuff because you're dabbling in sorcery. You're, you're finding these drugs that it's like they segregates the soul and opens it up to the spirit realm and weird stuff. Extreme emotions. This one may be an eye opener for us. This will open us to demonic influence. 
extreme emotions. Emotions are not bad. Every emotion we have was first found in God. Emotions are neutral. How we use them or allow them to use us will determine whether we are in sin or whether we are glorifying Jesus Christ. Emotions are how we react to the world around us. We must, however, use the word of God to teach us what to do with these emotions. Without the word as our guide, emotions can quickly open up the demon realm. Now, Here's a list of some extreme emotions, and really, every emotion you have, you can get so far in the ditch with it, you become weird and even draw a demon to you. Unforgiveness is the greatest. I don't know if we want to classify that as an emotion, but it, boy, it elicits every emotion, anger, resentment, grudge. But unforgiveness, the Bible tells us specifically in 2 Corinthians chapter two, uh, 10, chapter 2, verse 10, that unforgiveness is one of the devil's dispositions. It's one of his personality traits. The Bible says, whom you forgive, I forgive, for we will not give place to the enemy, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So the context there is forgiveness versus unforgiveness. He says, for we will not give place to him through unforgiveness, for we are not ignorant of his device. The word device there means disposition. One of the devil's dispositions is unforgiveness. So when you won't forgive, when you're full of unforgiveness, you're acting just like one of the devil's main dispositions. Anger. You can be so angry, you actually open up a demon. You're so angry, just, just rage. You have to be very careful. Dr. Barclay told a friend of mine, he said, son, you better watch that anger. You will get a devil. Because this friend of mine was so angry over something, he just could not let it go. Obsession. This is what we might call extreme love. And this is why you have to be careful with your children. You don't let them get in. I, don't, I totally don't believe in crushes. My girls will never have a crush on anything. That's extreme love. Justin Bieber, whatever idiot comes out in 15 years when my girls are teenagers. The next, you know, sap to be used by the enemy to pervert young people. Obsession, it's extreme love. It's love in the wrong direction on the wrong thing. This can quickly become idolatry. In fact, Colossians calls inordinate affection, which just means obsession. When you have an affection that's inordinate or unordinary, the Bible calls that idolatry. All proceeding out of the heart. Oh, I just love it so much. I just, it's obsession. Obsession is one of these things that opens you up to the enemy so quickly. You become obsessed. It's all you live, drink, breathe, sleep. That's an extreme emotion. What are you consumed with? It better be Jesus Christ. Jealousy, specifically called a spirit in Numbers chapter five. Sorrow, the loss of a loved one, postpartum depression, any depression. You've gotta be careful. The Bible says we sorrow, but not as those who have no hope. And any sorrow you have better be followed up by joy if you're gonna be biblical. It better be followed up by dancing. Uh, in Japan, postpartum depression is so severe, uh, people will actually cut themselves and they'll actually be bitten by demons. Postpartum depression and, and, and this uh, invisible biting is a common occurrence in Japan. It's a devil, postpartum depression. So uh, sorrow, you gotta be very careful of sorrow. Somebody died, hey, our condolences. God comfort them, but then you better be rebounding pretty quick. You don't have time to weep anymore. Fear. God's not given us the spirit of fear. Greed, avarice, extreme desire of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Extreme emotions will cause your heart to burn, but not for God. When these emotions consume you, they give way to demonic influences. And that's, that's the heart there is that when you're consumed of them. We're not to be consumed of anything but Jesus. 
Be mindful to keep all of your emotions moderated. Emotions give you expression, but they are not to define you. If you're defined as the moody guy, there's an issue there. If you're defined as the fearful guy, there's an issue there. If you're defined as this, that woman's always so sad. Something's not right there. I don't think you, you might be able to go too far and be too joyful. And, and if you never feel any sorrow, if you never feel any angst, something's not right there. I had a, a Holy Ghost dream years ago and I was in Knoxville, but I came back to this church and it was a Holy Ghost service in my dream. And over here by the doors, one of the church members was on the floor laughing, just laughing hysterically. And it would have appeared to have been the Holy Spirit. But I walked over to him and in my dream, I looked at him and I said, this isn't the Holy Spirit. You're a lunatic. It was, it was in a, a weird, excessive laughter. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the joy of the Lord. It was, I said, you're out of your mind. So you might be able to get into a ditch with too much joy. But if you're alive and you're balanced, you're going to feel every emotion. Jesus Christ felt every emotion. But if one motion, if only one emotion defines you, something's not quite right there. You got to be balanced. Unhealthy people are either defined by one or two emotions, fear, jealousy, anger. Some people have no emotional expression at all. That's not good either. This is an indication of oppression. When uh, Dr. Summer likes to point out, when a doctor delivers a baby, the first thing he's looking for is expression. He spanks that baby on the bottom and he's looking for that cry of life. Wah! When Christians are flatlined in their emotions, something's not right. They're oppressed. Real quick, other oddities, martial arts. Be careful of the martial arts. I have per, uh, personally had demons visit me when I was heavily involved in the martial arts. There is some things you can do safely, but uh, some martial arts will take you straight to hell. And uh, in every field of martial arts, you will find demonized people. Pastor Vaughn talked about familiar spirits coming on him when he was heavily involved in Taekwondo. Uh, his, his, his workout partner, Mr. Jones, who I heard of when I took judo and I never knew Pastor Vaughn, he had the ability through demon power to cause trees to flex without touching them and make them touch. He could focus his chi, which is all demon power, and cause trees to touch. They could also punch you on one side and make bruising appear on the other. It's all demon power. Pastor Vaughn told the story of one day, this, he said this mist got on his legs and he was working with that with his brother. Was that right, Marlon? Got into his legs. And he said, run down to the end of that court. And so his buddy took off running and Pastor Vaughn was able to do roundhouse kicks faster down the court than this guy could run the court. That's demon power. And when he got saved and started preaching, he, had to, he, he swore to God, he vowed to God. He said, I will never touch the martial arts again and even never taught the kids martial arts. It's a dangerous slope, but we're just talking about doorways uh, into the demon realm. I had five demons visit me in 2001 and offer me. They told me if I would hold my hands like this, they would fight for me, which was terrifying because this is how I fought, which means if I go back to judo and I do my stand-up like this, they'll have me. So I went out boxing like Muhammad Ali, and I wasn't going to tell anybody at judo. I had five demons appear to me last night, and they offered me the opportunity to kill all of you. Why are you, why are you boxing, Chris? Just want to try to switch it up. <laughs> imaginary friends. But one thing I have seen and observed with it, imaginary friends come to children, often in times of adversity, to be your helper and your best buddy. If your kids come up with an imaginary friend, teach your kids to witness to them because they'll cast that demon out. The Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You don't need an imaginary friend. You have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus.
eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia. Here's one that I just researched, ortho, uh, orthorexia. Orthorexia. This is an eating disorder where you're obsessed with healthy. This is just as demonic as anorexia and bulimia. Anorexics starve themselves. Bulimics purge themselves. Orthorexics, they get obsessed over, maybe I gotta eat this, maybe I gotta eat this, maybe I gotta eat this. I can only have greens. I can't have anything with gluten, though there's nothing wrong with being gluten-free. No MSG. It's an obsession, and it drives you. If that's you, man, just go get a pizza. Just break this thing, and you're not gonna die for loading your body down with that much fat. This is, a, this is a psychological condition in the same vein of anorexia and bulimia. And I've known people, now that I've researched this, I've known people attacked by this. I personally have dealt with two folks who had demons cast out of them over anorexia. But now that I think about it, I knew a girl, she was so obsessed with healthy, she was always cleansing everything, and this cleanse and that cleanse. And there was a time where I said, you've got a devil. And now I, I researched it medically, and sure enough, orthorexia, the obsession over healthy. RPGs, that isn't rocket-propelled grenades, but those are fun. That's role-playing games. Role-playing games aren't but 30 years old. Dungeons and Dragons, they all just about involve sorcery and witchcraft. This will open your soul to the devil. I remember as a child, my mom worked the psych ward at Park West Hospital in Knoxville. She came home one day and she said, honey, never get involved with this new thing called Dungeons and Dragons. I said, why? She said, we've had so many young men come in the psych ward convinced they're God or they're some kind of paladin or some kind of sorcerer. She said, they all have one thing in common, Dungeons and Dragons. Six-year-old kid, I said, yes, sir. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Books, movies, video games, etc. That's all self-explanatory. Those folks are demonized, homophobic, or excuse me, homosexuals, possessed of devils, and they're producing what we eat entertainment-wise. Uh, I got to wrap this up. There are many doors to destruction, but only one leads to Jesus Christ. This should not discourage us, all these doors to destruction, because it means there isn't multiple choice here. You just stick with Jesus. Rather, it should encourage us. There is only one right answer. Jesus, stay close to him, and you can avoid all the other pitfalls. Father, I thank you for these lessons. Bless our understanding. May we walk close with you in Jesus' name. Amen.